Aloha. Schmodcast is oh. a podcast. What? We can't do both? Oh, we can do both. I just thought I messed it up. No. This was it's not scripted. <laughs> yeah, you think after what our this is our fortieth episode, you think fortieth episode we'd have like a really serious um, format, like a really good way to kick this off. And every time we, we don't, we stare we at each other, different. wondering who's gonna say hi first. <laughs> it's the spice, the spice of the dink life, you know, spontaneity, spontaneity. So this is Schmodcast, the podcast episode forty. Titled Party Time. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, you're really good at silences. Do you mean that really? Yeah. Like I always end up trying to fill it in. There's like these long pauses. I'm good at that. I um, thought maybe there was like a delay in her audio and I wasn't sure. So I was trying to like suss it out. I'm just being extra. I'm still here. Safe. You're so extra. I love it. You're very good at very many things. Thank you. And I thank you for that. Yeah. Right back at you. Well, thanks. Thanks, do, thanks, thanks. Do you think when people listen to us, because it's basically like they pulled up a chair and sat with us over breakfast, do you mm. think they feel like jealous or do you think they're happy for us? <laughs> um, so I learned recently that jealousy and envy are different. And if you're jealous, you might actually still feel happy for the other people. Mm. Um, you just like would, would also like to have it in your life. Whereas envy is like wishing you could take that from the other person, basically, like wishing oh. it was you instead of them. So maybe oh. they're jealous and that includes feeling happy for us. That, I, I did not know those were not synonyms. Yeah. So I'm really happy to know that. I think they're used interchangeably, but and maybe that's not even their strict definition, but just the the way someone was positing. Because envy has a much more negative connotation than jealousy, and yeah. it's one of the seven deadly sins. It is, so you know it's bad. Hmm. Yeah, like maybe you're allowed to covet your neighbor's X, Y, or Z, as long as you just want you both to have it. But if coveting it means <clears throat> you want to take it from them, mm-hmm. that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you have to add the really important preposition that, like, you you covet that your neighbor has an ass. Yes. But you don't covet your neighbor's ass. And I mean, I mean donkey. I do. Don't do. Some of our neighbors have really nice ass. Don't do dirty. You mean a, you mean a donkey, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I didn't even bring up donkeys. You did. This is an amazing rabbit hole for our intro. <laughs> Guys, Schmodcast, episode 40, party time. It's the podcast that's just two PLPs approaching their 40s. This is my birthday month, so um, I'm really excited to start thinking about it. Um, And my intro for this episode is to introduce the concept of 40 before 40 Mm -hmm. and see what kind of ideas we have. So, Rebecca's already familiar with this. This is for our listeners' sake. 40 before 40 is something that one of my good friends in D.C. introduced to me. In the year leading up to her 40th birthday, she had a list of 40 things that she wanted to do. And she crowdsourced that list. So she emailed and messaged friends and family and said, what are some things you suggest that I do? And then she took them into consideration and picked 40 of them. But part of the... um, Part of the deal was that if you suggested something and she picked it, she could call on you to help her make that happen. 
So like we suggested camping. She had never been camping before. And then she picked it. So we took her camping. It was so fun. Um, yeah. It was so fun. And I'm really excited because I'm about to turn 39, which means it's it's almost time for the launch of my 40 before 40. I already have a list of like a thousand things. Mm-hmm. So uh, I am still going to crowdsource and get some ideas. But um, do you have any ideas or like what are some things that you would put on your 40 before 40? I've been thinking about this because you get to do it before me and I'm, I know I'm going to want to do so many of the things that I'm sure are on your list. I was like, what are, what's <laughs> my 40? Like, what would mm-hmm. my, what would, what would mine be? And, um, I like the idea actually of just going fully crowdsourced and people suggesting things that they don't mm. think I've ever done uh-huh. or wouldn't necessarily like pick for myself to just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't have anything in particular. Yeah. Some of mine are like, um, like one of my ideas was to pick a meal, like two to three different main dishes that I would get really good at cooking and could just do from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's one of them. Um, but like uh, there, a lot of them are also maybe like adventure or, or even just things I've done before, but it's like go surfing again. Yeah. Like with Go with someone that you feel like is a good friend and go surfing in Hawaii with that person sometime in the year before I turn 40. Um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what we, cause some of these, you have to be able to achieve them like at home. <laughs> right. Yeah. They can't all be get on a plane and travel somewhere far. Yeah. 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 That's fun though. Okay. So it's, things, I almost, so it's not even things that you haven't done. It's things you would like to do before you turn 40. Yeah. I yeah. That. I think so. It doesn't all have to be brand new things. Just things that you're like in this a year to sort of concentrate on, remaining or regaining a sense of curiosity and Mm -hmm. um, like continuing to be a lifelong learner and just like getting to celebrate that as we approach 40, we're still, we still have like so much life to live. There's all these cool things to experience. So yeah, that's like, that's the idea behind 40 before 40. I don't know. Does describing it a little bit more give you any other ideas you would maybe put on the list? No. (laughs) (laughs) well you you have a whole year and watching me go through it to figure out if if and how you might like to do it yourself yeah I mean I I think I would like to do it I'm just not sure because I I tend to have like always live my life with these like kind of like listicle goal-oriented things and so part of it like it doesn't appeal to me for some reason but I'm I'm gonna you don't have to do it yeah I, I also like it I don't know I'm gonna maybe I'll do 10 yeah, I'll do ten four or once times. a month, or even twelve. Like have a monthly thing, or yeah, you could even. I mean, I like. Um, I know we're not big like New Year's resolution people, but I could see myself even having like uh, just a New Year's resolution, basically for my thirty ninth year of life. That like as you wait to turn forty, you're like, this is something I want to do before then. Yeah. Well, I think it's yeah. cool. So this is the month that you plan your forty. Exactly. And I, like I said, I have drafted a long list, but I need to start crowdsourcing it. So listeners, Mm -hmm. if you have ideas, this is officially your uh, invitation to share them with me, keeping in mind that if you suggest it, I may ask you to help me execute it. That's so fun. Please. And thank you. Yeah. Party time. Excellent. (laughs) 
Um, I've been feeling a little bit depressed lately, but I still, I'm still being really goofy. And so I think that's how I know it's different. You asked me before, like, how is it different from previous times? Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think when the goofiness drops off is when I'm like, oh, we have a problem. Got it. But you're, but because you're still being goofy, it's not, we're not in the danger zone. Yeah. Got it. I think so. I think so. Like we had like one of the funniest conversations of our entire lives the other day. The one um, where foam came out of your nose from your beverage. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had recorded that because we were so funny. It would have just sounded like I was drowning because it was just. Well, not the not the <laughs> foam part, the conversation. I wish we had recorded the conversation. Oh, yeah. God, we were on fire. That's how it happens, though. I think we both literally rolled on the floor. Mm-hmm. We did. It was so funny. Yeah. Every once in a while, we get going so hard that we both start crying. That's the best. I know. Those are the best ones. I don't remember. I don't even remember what it was about. We're just great. I don't know. We also had a really good. Was it yesterday that we had a really good one about cats? We just were on a real roll. Oh my gosh! Oh yes, we've decided that because of sexism, Mm -hmm. that's internalized by everyone on earth. Literally, we just need to start from scratch, and like literally, everyone on earth needs to fuck off and die (laughs) because of sexism. But the only people who may be redeemable, well, we decided that Ruby doesn't have to die because she's innocent. Right. And then we decided someone needs to feed her. And that's when we learned that um, the best method is just anyone who has a cat may be redeemable. Like it just shows like the potential to recover from the deeply ingrained sexism in our lives. And and because that's in the the future, we we decided that everybody gets like a chance to get a cat. This is your PSA right now. And we've also decided that when we really like someone, the way we the way we express our love now is to be like, we need to send them a cat Mm -hmm. because it means we don't want them to die when the rapture comes for all of us. Yeah, is that, <laughs> that is pretty good. Is it mo- is it funnier now or is it not as funny? It's always funny. Why is it it's so all, funny? It's, because it makes sense, Rebecca. And That's why it's funny because it actually makes sense. And it doesn't. If you follow it's the both. logic, it's perfect. <laughs> it's unimpeachable. Um, it is absolutely perfect logic when you trace it back to its origins. Yeah, and it's about cats, so. Everybody likes that. They really do. And then if yeah. if you're worried at all about what to do with an aging cat, we already covered that in a previous episode. Yep. So you're, yep. you're handled. Get a cat. You're covered. Uh, okay. Shall we connect and correct? Yeah, let's do it. I have to tell you, we have a friend of a friend connect who works at Airbus. What? So I know. I discovered this through the grapevine, and that means that we now have a connection to someone who works at Boeing and someone who works at Airbus. So we're getting closer and closer to those sweet, sweet airplane ads <laughs> to getting sponsored by an airplane company. <laughs> really close. I literally can't and I wanted, I It's going to be so good. And I wanted to ask you, I put this question on Connects and Corrects, but I didn't answer it. Is Cessna an airplane company or a model? Uh, it's both. So, <gasps> yep. I was right. We were both right. Yeah, there's uh, there's the Cessna company, and then there are mm-hmm. models called, like, Cessna 1, Cessna oh. 3, Cessna 5. So it's both. Oh. Yeah. See, and, you know, this is how I know we're such a good match for each other, because I literally just wrote that as a question on Connects and Corrects, and you knew that that meant you should look up the answer. I had already looked it up. 
So this was like really oh. perfect. Yeah. I pretend it was pretend it's the other way that I just said. Oh, I mean, yep, we're perfect. Yep. Perfect compliments. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You can seamless. You can edit that out if you want. No, I can't. Make it- I really can't, Rebecca. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to explain to you how poor my well, editing skills are. I have a suggestion for your 40 before 40. <gasps> I get to select I get to select what goes on the list though. I think actually I do have that on my list. Really? Like learn at least like two new editing skills for audio or something. That's so cute. I'm also <gasps> considering going through all my childhood photos and trying to find a picture from most, if not all, birthdays over the years and making like a like a photo montage for myself. I just came up with one. What? I want to make bean to bar chocolate. No. Not as like a business, but I do. <gasps> I bet you could, though. I bet you could go to the Puna Chocolate exactly. Company and buy a bunch of raw cacao. I could get some cacao. And then I could yeah. get some of that sweet, sweet Hawaiian rush asukar sugar. Yeah. And then yeah. I don't know, well, however you do it, mix it in a bowl. I mean, that's why it's on the list is so I can find out how to make it. That's great. Mm-hmm. As long as you're okay with every, literally every single time the cacao comes up, I'm going to be like, cacao. That's why I'm going to do it. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another connect and correct, I did confirm the pronunciation of monarchy. Monarchy. Similar to malarkey. I know it's not nice, but that's how it's pronounced, monarchy. Did you find it at all if it was named by um, a man? Because it just feels mannish. I don't think so. I mean, I think a lot of, I think women weren't given a lot of say in um, a lot of those technical medical terms but it's it seems to me to come from latin or something like menopause menarchy yeah but maybe maybe since um our like vocalization trends allegedly come from mostly like young women maybe we could help change how it's pronounced or try to get it a little closer to like a monarch butterfly pronunciation so that it's kind of cute. Menarch. Yeah. Instead of monarchy. Yeah. Like monarch. That's cuter. Yeah. I liked Menarche. It sounded classy. It's cute, right? Yeah. It's softer. Yeah, it's gentler. Dream. Yeah. Uh, did you find out whether Twitter officially became X or not? They, I mean, they changed their logo. They're like their push notifications say X now, but their domain still is Twitter. I mean, it's going to take. Yeah. Because, I mean, some of that's just because, like, how long it's going to take them to convert the the domain over. Um, but I didn't get any letters about it. So I'm yeah. I'm just holding out. <laughs> I'm not officially ready to call it until somebody mails me a letter. Okay. Yeah, I was um, I was listening to that episode, and I had missed the joke live because I was like already talking about something else because I talk over you so much. There <laughs> um, was we were talking about Twitter, and we were like, "Just drop us a line," and you were like, "Mail us a letter." <laughs> so, is that funny? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is our official solicitation to send us a letter explaining whether Twitter has become X or not yet, or about anything else really. We just love uh, we're mail. not going to tell the general public our snail mail address but if if you know us you might know what it is yeah yeah the last little connect and correct you want to cover that one uh i have two left on my list (gasps) go uh so 
Uncle Mark definitely suggested woolly mammoths as a topic. So that was the yes. first time in Schmod history that we had a fan right. suggest it. And then and the topic was woolly mammoths. Yeah. Yep. In the tundra, right? This was about cloning woolly mammoths yeah. with yeah. with elephants. Yeah. And then beep suggested the el- the pando. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. So that's a second time in Schmod history. We're going to try to keep this um, accurate because of our journalistic integrity. So you don't have to worry. Integrity. You don't have to worry at all. Mm-hmm. There's a high bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one I added was uh, I, I went through our stats for the, the <gasps> Schmod, and I wanted to let you know that Finland showed up on the list as a country that oh. now listens. That's right. Okay. Currently. Did somebody get a new VPN? (laughs) (laughs) Currently less than 1%, so could be an accident. Could have been like a little butt dial, but we're going to keep monitoring to see what happens. And uh, Deutschland continues to be more than 10%. They are just. They love us over in Deutschland. Love us. And we Liebe them. They Liebe us. (laughs) Maybe we should learn some phrases in German as part of our 40 before 40. No, what we're doing is working for them. We'll ruin it if we start speaking German. Mm. I know I know one phrase. Did I tell it to you already? I don't know. Why don't you try it and we'll see. Go. Here it goes. Are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> du bist mein Sternschnupper. What is that? Can you guess what it means? It's, it's you are my... My shooting star. That's nice. I know. Actually, I can also say you're my treasure. Du bist mein Schatz. Mein Schatz, yeah. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, that was my little nickname for Toby when he was a puppy. It was mein Schatz. Oh, really? Some- my German next-door neighbor growing up, her dog's name was Schatzi. Yeah, Schatzi. Yeah. Cute. Yeah, that's really sweet. I love that. Mm. Uh, well, this has been fun. Um, we do actually, I want to acknowledge, we received some other like comments and questions from folks via text, and um, we just didn't incorporate them yet because we already had this whole outline going. So you might get shouted out on the next episode if you texted us recently. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yep. You know who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> All right, Rebecca, who is going to Hot Tops first this time? Drum roll. I think you should do it because you said I always go first all the time. So, Are you sensitive about that now? No, I'm making it like a fun inside joke. Did did that not land? Was that not? That wasn't it? No. (laughs) Well, because I worry about actually hurting your feelings, even though I know you would tell me if I did. Um, So next time, my next hot top is going to be about rejection sensitivity <laughs> <laughs> i look forward to that because every time you, not today. you bring up something i i like to go through the list of whether or not i have it too so that'll be oh look, i yeah, look forward to fun. that yeah yeah okay my hot top is a woman named mary maloney also known as dorothy maloney full name horatia Dorothy Maloney Lancaster. Have you ever heard of this person? No, I don't think so. Cutest little nug ever. So as I approach party time, birthday, and we're talking about sexism and bullshit, I read this little tidbit online and I looked into it to see if it was real. And this is from Wikipedia, so you know it's full-blown for real. Mm -hmm. Dorothy Maloney slash Mary Maloney was an Irish suffragette campaigner 
Born in 1878, died in 1921. So young, mm-hmm. poor baby boo boo, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But what's what's really fun about her, what she's famous for is disrupting the 1908 by-election by ringing a bell every time Winston Churchill tried to talk. (laughs) 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 So some people say she followed him around for a week ringing a bell. I didn't find that substantiated. What I did find was that, um, okay, so she was part of this suffragette group called uh, the Women's Freedom League. And Winston Churchill had said something offensive about suffragettes. Um, He had said, um, well, I don't remember what his original uh, bad comment was. And then she she showed up at his election, and every time he would open his mouth, she would like do the ring her handbell so loud that you couldn't hear what he was saying at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, they say the ding dong exchanges were taken in fun initially, but some meetings had to be canceled because of the uproar. The Irish Times newspaper published an account of the by election on the fifth of May, nineteen oh eight, that supported claims that Maloney had followed Churchill around for a week, <laughs> ringing this bell. Uh, Here's what it said in the newspaper, quote, Maloney complained of a passage in a speech which the latter delivered on Saturday last and in which, alluding to the women's suffrage movement, he said, quote, I have seen with some regret some most earnest advocates of the cause allying themselves with the forces of drink and reaction. They were carried shoulder high, I am informed, by the rowdy elements which are always to be found at a public housemaid manifestation, end quote. So that's what Churchill said. And then the newspaper says, amid great laughter, Miss Maloney retorted that if any man attempted to lift her in his arms, she would have boxed his ears, <laughs> which I also love about her. Um, so then he, at the time, uh, this is still from that same newspaper article, mm-hmm. at the time appointed for him to address the meeting where there were about 500 or 600 present, so pretty big crowd. Yeah. Mr. Churchill drove up in his motor car only to find that the gathering was in full possession of the ladies who had the sympathy of a godly majority, a goodly majority of the crowd. Mr. Churchill re-entered the vehicle and was about to speak from it when the suffragette carriage came up, a lady inside loudly ringing a bell. The carriage drew close up to the motor, the bell clanging all the time and creating so much din. The lady said to be Miss Maloney shook her fist at the right honorable gentleman and exclaimed in a loud voice, who is the strongest, an Irish woman or Mr. Winston Churchill? Isn't that so cute? Yeah. I love her. (laughs) So then it just kind of like turned into some cool like um, political folklore. There were like bell ringing contests in other parts of the country later that year. And she appeared in like political cartoons. Um, She... uh, Let's see. She led other um, protests later for suffrage. She was arrested for one of her during one of her protests and her fine was paid by a friend, quote, much to her chagrin. (laughs) She got arrested and was like, keep me arrested. Um, She died giving birth and she was pretty young. Mm. Um, But she uh, was referred to often as La Belle Maloney, referring to her bell theatrics. And that's it. Just a little short one about Miss Dorothy slash Mary Maloney, the bell ringing suffragette. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What a fun little thing. And I, I just, I always like the creative protest where it's, it's like it's disruptive and it's annoying, but it's like mm-hmm. can be a little bit funny or whimsical. 
and nonviolent, non-violent. Right? like this was this was a really really tense period and uh, women were going up against very powerful forces including their own spouses and fathers and brothers and people that were very dangerous to their own safety mm-hmm. and she found a way to like really make a difference mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's so good well um mine's kind of related if you can oh believe gosh. that you know i love that uh the main way that it's related is mine starts also with Irish people. That counts. <gasps> That's so weird. Yeah. Why are we talking about so many Irish people today? I don't know. Is it is it like we got cookied on our browsers? Everybody knows and they're connecting us? I don't know. <sighs> Maybe. So I wanted to talk about the surprising history of musical theater. Ooh, la la. Mm-hmm. And mostly I, I think um, I read an article a while ago about um, oh, about the Phantom of the Opera closing, and it had been like one of the longest running musicals on Broadway in New York. And in there, they made some reference about how musical theater had almost gone totally out of business and then had a revival mm. in the 90s. And I didn't know that since, I as, didn't either. as you already know, like, as you already mentioned, we're about to approach 40. So we were kids. I had just thought Broadway was like always part of always cool, always yeah. cool and always part of it. So that's where this came from. And I found this article where it's actually a, a, from the University of Washington, um, a professor, David Armstrong, who teaches at the School of Drama, has a whole class about the history of musical theater. Ah. So I wanted to take his class, but instead I just found an article summarizing it. So, <laughs> so Armstrong explains that musical theater got its start following a huge wave of Irish immigration in the late 1800s um, by huh. way of New York. And of particular importance was a person named George M. Cohen, whose grandparents were among those Irish immigrants. And um, if I don't know if anybody's ever seen the statue that's like in, in New York City, there's a big statue of George Cohen. And the quote oh. at the base of his statue says, give my regards to Broadway, which is like a pretty oh, famous yeah. phrase, famous right? quote. So that is Can I him. ask you a clarifying question, though? Well, you said that the, this is ha- the, like the origins of musical theater. The origins of mu- musical theater in the world or just the origins of musical theater in America? Uh, in America, sorry. And specifically, okay. like, musical theater in the Broadway area of New York. Like, okay. why, why is... Okay. And, and that's actually what's credited with, like, making musical theater popular, Broadly. But there were probably some musicals going on other places, just like turning it into like a big industry and bringing it into New York. It was new. Well, what I'm actually talking about is how like most most musical theater prior to this like 1920s is really more like vaudevillian or like mm-hmm. operettas or like loose like musical type troops. What what I'm gotcha. comparing is how did it evolve to like the current modern day musical theater yeah. where it's like. A whole compelling story and the music ties yeah. to the to plot tells the story and the yeah. dance also is like driving the story gotcha. like this that's that's the history thing that we're talking I about. had never even really thought about how to like how to differentiate between that and opera but they're different things yeah okay they are and I'm still like not totally great at telling the difference that's more of a I know it when I hear it kind of thing exactly yeah it's, it's we just I'd nev- never thought about it before but it's obviously so different yeah and and also the difference between like a movie that has music in it versus a musical. Yes. The, yeah, yeah. The key difference there is that the music itself drives the plot, whereas mm-hmm. just a movie that happens to have, like, some singer performing Great on songs. a stage or yeah. whatever is not yeah. musical. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so Cohen, he's a writer, he's a director, he's a producer, he's a performer, and he launched musical theater as a distinct genre in the 1900s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. in New York City. So that answers your question about where did it start. Um, yep. And this is also the era of, quote, Irish need not apply. So there's just a lot of, like, anti-Irish happening specifically, and, like, anti-immigrant. They don't want them to compete for, quote, unquote, American jobs. Um, so the because there's so much rampant discrimination for Irish immigrants, um, they a lot of them were drawn to musical theater because you could get a job doing that, especially since more elite people thought jobs in perf- in the performing arts yeah. was like it's for the impoverished, lower, lower income, lower yeah. caste type folks. It's like unseemly. It's like not lady and gentlemanly. And actually back then, again, this is like before 1920. It's a really important year. And I'll get to it in a second. Uh, the the theater is not really for fancy hoity toits. This is oh. this is more of a like middle class America type of event because we still have silent movies and or movies in general haven't really taken on. So this is the main way that people like go out on a Friday mm. night for theater, and so because of that and because of that audience, um, they're they, they were also making a lot of like really progressive political statements like George mm-hmm. George Cohen himself. Um, stood on a stage and sang I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, which is, like, pretty progressive considering all the anti, like, Irish immigrant status there. Oh, that was the point of that song, was for him to be like, I'm an immigrant and I'm American. Yeah, and then little Easter egg slash spoiler, if you haven't seen Hamilton, fast forward to, like, 2016, there's a line in that one where where they say, immigrants, we get the job done. Because they're, of course, talking about the origins of the United States. But that also harkens back to the origins of musical theater itself being largely driven mm. by immigrants. Anyway, so cute. I get chills. Okay, so yeah. we also have um, Jewish immigrants arriving from Eastern Europe and African Americans are moving up to New York from the South. And so they're all drawn into this same like musical theater genre. You see a disproportionate amount of that population going into those works mm-hmm. instead of other types of jobs, mostly because they're not allowed to have the other jobs. Um, so they're also facing discrimination, having few opportunities for advancement. And that's the that's why so many um, musical theater plots tend to to either centralize race as an issue. Um, the, like musical theater has been running for 120 years and there's 37 specific shows that address race as their central theme, which is wow, yeah, a lot considering like most forms of entertainment I don't think are, are that consistently progressive yeah. or provocative. Um, okay, so then you've got how to turn a page all right so remember i already mentioned silent movies for anybody who's heard the term great white way and didn't know why broadway was called that it's because but it's called what the great white way have you ever heard that no i used to think it was like racism but um it's actually because down that broadway street where all the broadway theaters are um and they're actually also talked off of some other blocks, but they used to be lit up with big white yeah. light bulbs. And so the whole okay. street was bright white because of the street lights that like back in the early okay. 1900s. So it's called the Great White Way is another name for Broadway. Anyway, so everything's bumping. It's really cool until then the Great Depression comes. And so now everybody has no money. A lot of the theaters have to shut down. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> And could you just edit that out for me? Thanks. Nope, that stays in. Uh, so 
Uh, the number of productions. We don't have we don't have a lot of like ruby noises or chicken noises, so we have to leave your cough. That's true. Where is that girl? All right. I don't know. Probably in my laundry basket. She's probably skulking somewhere. Mm-hmm. So okay, Great Depression. Um, only now, only sophisticated elite can afford the tickets. And so that's when they start to shift the types of performances they're doing in order to make it a little more sophisticated to attract that audience. The number of productions also dropped by half just because the times were tough. So in order to charge more for the fewer shows, they had to start targeting mm-hmm. that group. Hollywood also started producing film musicals because now we have talkies so they can put audio in their their movies. And so mm-hmm. now there's competition for live musical theater and Broadway. Um, so everybody kind of thought this is when Broadway dies. It's just going to just go away. But then, out. then in 1943, Rodgers and Hammerstein come out with Oklahoma, and that goes oh, to Broadway. And that's what brought it back was Oklahoma where the wind comes sweeping, sweeping down, down the plains. plains. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry with the fringe on top. Oklahoma. Um, And that was the very first one that integrated story, song, and dance more cohesively than any show before that. And that's that's what they call now the golden age for musicals. And that lasts for the next 30 years. So um, this Professor Armstrong goes on to say that before Oklahoma, it was mostly operettas, musical reviews, Mm -hmm. musical comedies. And their plot was like loosely constructed. It was just sort of like you're going to sit down for an hour and be entertained with various types of vignettes. But there wasn't like one consistent, like well thought Mm -hmm. out, big Mm -hmm. production type of show. So this really fully transformed the whole art form. And um, the next big shakeup came with the Vietnam War when Mm. um, growing public cynicism led to shows like Cabaret and Sweeney Todd. Which featured darker themes in general and also anti-heroes. So sort of the first time that musicals start incorporating that, which I thought was really cool that those are tied. I want to watch Sweeney Todd again. Yeah. I should watch that. It's good. It's so good. And then, then of course, as things are changing and and people's, like, song music tastes and pop culture and styles start changing, um, People start toying with adding rock and roll music, which initially was um, ignored by the Broadway composers, but eventually yeah. made its way through. And so now we have things like Hamilton that have like featured right. hip hop music, and and that has actually ushered uh, the, ushered in the next renaissance of musical theater, <gasps> and a whole new generation of people got introduced to Broadway through that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much it also um, like the the. Big, big musicals that um, reworked, like, popular movies and, um, uh, like, Disney movies and stuff. Like, that wasn't originally part of Broadway, right? Like, this idea of making Lion King on Broadway. And now I sent you a link today that, like, The Notebook is going to be on Broadway or Mean Girls on Broadway. That's a that's a newer trend, and it's it's because mm-hmm. musicals have become so much more popular that now yeah. they're they're starting like the the people who put on those types of movies are starting to see that like an additional audience for that would be to convert it to a musical yeah. on Broadway. Yeah, I hope that like brings people in. Then you get you get people that are like, well, I I don't know anything about Broadway. I don't know anything about uh, musical theater, but I love The Lion King, so I'll see that. And then they're all of a sudden like, oh shit, I'm gonna also go to 
come from away. And and it goes the reverse, actually. So there's been some really, really huge musicals that started on Broadway and then became movies later. So, like, mm-hmm. The Music Man is probably the most famous one. Mm-hmm. Another one would be Fiddler on the Roof. Huge, oh, huge. yeah. Now, that, yeah, one, yeah. that one actually officially started in the West End in ye old town London. Sure, but it started as musical it was theater a musical, and exactly. became a, a, a film, like mm-hmm. a feature film. Another yeah. one is Sweeney Todd. Um, that one yep. was originally a stage production. And that one featured Angela Lansbury when she was such a little sweet baby. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. Murder, She Wrote? Murder, She Wrote was doing people in a murder, meat pie. Murder, She Sang. She did Murder, She Meat Pie. She was, t- she was doing Murder, She Sings. yes. Yes. And dances, probably. Yes. Now, this was after <laughs> she she, she started my most beloved film, The Court Jester. So she was already oh no stranger. Gosh. That It really is a good... Oh, what are we going to watch now? Sweeney Todd or The Court Jester? It's so hard to decide. Por que no los trace? I think you mentioned three things. Why don't we do all of it? No. We're going to. We have to. I told you I'm depressed. We have to watch movies. We have to watch movies. Maybe we skip the last 20 minutes of Fiddler on the Roof, though. You know, it gets, like, kind <sighs> of... It gets, like, really downer. I think I would be okay with just listening to the soundtrack of Fiddler on the Roof. What's your yeah. favorite Fiddler on the Roof song? Uh, if I were a rich man... I mean, that's so it's just fun. the classic. But, I mean, Matchmaker is very good. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a bummer, Do You Love Me is really nice. Oh, that no, you know what? Nice. That one ends nice. Yeah. You know what's really good is, um, what's the song? Creepy Graveyard um, Ghost Song. No, that's my favorite, <laughs> though. I forgot. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> this is a little dice. This your little Zytel. That's your little Zytel. It's so good. And it's that's Grandma Rachel, too, I think. Yes. Um, yes, it is. But, no, the 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 song where Maltel and Zytel are, like, running in the woods, excited that they got to get engaged. Oh. oh wonder I- of wonder, miracle of miracles, God let a poor man by the hand. That one. That one it's is so really sweet. fun. It's so sweet. I think the one that gets the most stuck in my head is Sunrise. Sunset, sunset, but that's sad. It doesn't mean it's not a great song. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know what else is really sad? We're just listing all the songs of Fiddler on the Roof, but um, I just one where he's like losing his daughter Havali. Yeah, this movie came out in 1971. So no spoilers. I know. You should have already watched it by now. I know. Oh God. Oh, okay. Well, listen to that sounds track. We'll watch Sweeney Todd. We'll watch the court gesture and dance to it. We have to dance to the court gesture and wear costumes. Yes, absolutely. And so okay. that so that was actually I was going to ask you a question because I feel like so many of my hot tops are me just like lecturing you about something that I was <laughs> I was trying to make this one more interactive for you. Ooh, look at you! Thank you. I think I do a pretty good job of interrupting you the whole time. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes yeah. I, ju- I just don't, like, plan for it. So this time I actually included uh-huh. some questions. Oh, my God. Let's go. So um, you have seen several musicals at this point on Broadway. I was curious, <sighs> what's your favorite musical you've seen? Um, I mean, it's really hard to choose because so many of them, they're different from each other and they serve different purposes. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I think Come From Away might mm. have been the most, it was like in really engrossing 
and creative. It was funny and so touching. It was just, mm-hmm. and because it's a, it's based on a true story. I, I loved Come From Away. I loved it. Um, maybe um, a near second. Actually, Moulin Rouge was incredible. The production oh value of Moulin Rouge that was, was amazing. Was really, yeah. really impressive. Phantom was still one of just my favorites. It was one of the first that I saw, and um, just. It's just the, again, the production value was really, really good. Mm-hmm. What are, What are yours? I was going to ask you the same thing. I feel like you've told me before, and because we both end up just like waxing poetic about all our favorite musicals, I can't remember what your faves are. Yeah, that's such a good question. So, I mean, Phantom is also one of the first musicals I ever saw on Broadway. It was so good. Um, my but my first introduction to like. A musical, and I didn't even realize that that's what it was. Was um, the movie version of Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Yes, yeah. <clears throat> so that's like, and then you my, saw it oh, on Broadway, and then I saw it so many times. I saw it with with Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, I saw it on Broadway with Neil Patrick Harris um, with the revival, and it was incredible. And then I also saw a bunch of like, not even off Broadway, but like local theater groups performing it because because when yeah when that won the Tony for Best Revival, it was, of course, now, like, people are aware of it, and they're going to start doing their local productions. I remember going and seeing it in random um, small theaters around Dallas, just, like, community players and stuff. Um, If I ever see that it's there's, like, a live production of it, I want to go see it. It's just, I I love the story. I think the music is awesome, and it was just, it's, like, one of one of the most, like, perfect musicals for me. And and it's not to mm-hmm. say it's everyone's taste, but it was definitely the epitome of, like, a modern musical. And I think I was just the right age to have seen it. And it opened something up in you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the way you've described it to me before, to some degree, that musical gave you hope. Like, yeah. it made you aware, and that's part of what musical theater is supposed to do and why it's so attractive to the queer community and to people from, um, you know, any kind of, any sort of marginalized community mm-hmm. um, tends to be drawn to musical theater in some way because part of what that show did for you, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. you've described it as, like, it just showed you there was a different way to live than what you had seen around you. Yeah, and even though I didn't personally, like, identify with the way they were living, Mm-mm. I just, I love I loved that it was, like, this, they were so drawn to living their own life authentically mm-hmm. and, like, to fight, like, truly, like, risk their own lives to live that way. I thought it was so inspiring and like what a cool thing to see. And then the song and the main song Origin of Love, like if you listen mm-hmm. to that and don't love love. Oh my god, she's going to cry right now. I'm guys. I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to take your cat away. And I think we all know what that means. No more cats for you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah that's such a good song. Speaking of cats was my favorite growing up. Cats oh, the yeah. musical. You, I mean, basically anything Andrew Lloyd Webber. I really liked his stuff. Uh, you introduced that one to me, actually, Cats. I hadn't seen <laughs> I know, it. And, you're, and then watching it as an adult for the first time, I was like, what the f- fuck shit is this? Like, introducing <laughs> you to it, I was like, this is weird as shit. And I, I was, still loved it. I was into it. I just, There's I the love... one really sexy cat. <laughs> <laughs> Which, be honest, you still have a bit of a crush on him. Oh, absolutely. Rum Tum Tugger? Hells yes. <laughs> He's hot. He's supposed to be. So hot. I'm so surprised you haven't yet mentioned Hello, Dolly. Uh, because I, we mentioned Hedwig, then I told a 25-minute story about it. That's Because no. that's my number one. Yeah. Oh, Hello, Dolly is on my list. 
um, especially when it's Bette Midler. I think the mm. the movie of Hello Dolly with Babs is also incredible. Nobody mm-hmm. nobody has the pipes like Babs. It's so good. <laughs> um, and Walter Matthau plays her love interest, which like what an actress to pull that off. <laughs> I forgot about that. Thank you. And I believed it. So she should win was a, all the he Grammys. He was a grump, grumpy, not so old man at that point, but he was still already really, yeah. really trying out for that role. Yeah. And then um, another one that I think is is like in the hilarious genre is um, Book of Mormon. I think that one is amazing. Yeah, Book of Mormon. Yeah. But you know what? Um, some of our friends who have gone to that like had a hard time with it because it's it's so condescending, mm. um, which I mean, I, I enjoy about it, actually, but it can be difficult if like if you want to also have some empathy for Mormon people watching that can seem like just really degrading to like all Mormons. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to now we have to rewatch that one. So we I have can, to re- we have to watch that too. I can reflect on that. that yeah. Uh, and then. um Oh, what's the other one? <laughs> it's so hard to choose. Oh, it's um, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. That one's excellent. Oh, you keep mentioning that, and I haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet. Okay. Yeah, it was the same year that Hedwig came out. I, I like, went to Broadway with some friends, or went to New York with mm-hmm. some friends, and we saw, like, five shows, because that was, like, what I wanted to do God, for my big birthday. Yeah. And so we just saw a, a crap load. You know, you know what we did not see on Broadway, or I didn't. I don't remember if you got to or not, but we watched the movie version. Was Dear Evan Hansen? Mm-hmm. If you want to feel sad, mm-hmm. you should watch Dear Evan Hansen. It's so good. Also, Prom was pretty good. Yeah, and we saw that good. in local community theater as well. I and that's so. I have a couple of things for our fans. Is if okay. you've maybe you don't live in. New York City, the Big Apple, and you're like... I thought all of our listeners lived in New York City. No, because some Except of them... the one in Finland. The one in Finland and the 10% in Deutsche. Um, Which is honestly probably just people who live in New York who took a vacation and listened to our podcast. That's a good point. So yeah. then, okay, well, maybe this advice won't help, but assuming <laughs> assuming you don't live in NYC, um, yeah. to to go ahead and watch a musical that's a, that's a movie, like Music Man or Fiddler yeah. or yeah. Sweeney Todd, like we mentioned... Yeah. Um, I think you should watch Hedwig and the Angry Inch. It's definitely like an indie film, but it's awesome. Or Hairspray. That one was Hairspray's very good. Hairspray's fun. And, um, and then I think just go patronize your local community theater. Yes, you have to. Go find like you some must. little production where those kids are just singing their little hearts out. And yeah. they're, you know, building up their little CVs so they can go to college. Hopefully well, Juilliard. Well, it's also like full-grown adults and stuff in community theater. It's not just children. But no, but like a lot of a lot of them are like young adults that are trying to, yeah, you know, make it make it big. And um, you know, I actually thinking about that, I really admire the the like people in their middle age who are still participating in community theater because like yeah. what a way to put yourself out there and for something that you're like. I know this isn't, I'm not going to like make it big with this. I'm doing it mm-hmm. as part of like my personal self-expression or for the community or to like right. have a place for those kids to come do theater. Yeah. And have a place for all of us to go like as a community yeah. and like get, get challenged to think differently, which is the whole point yeah. of musical theater. Um, mm-hmm. And fight, what is it like breaking hips? We learned that with your show choir hot top last time. 
Oh, singing together. Singing together. Fight breaking hips. (laughs) Is that what you remember from my Hot Top Laughs episode? Fighting depression. No, just yep. like general health, health, health outcomes, both physical and mental, are improved by singing, especially singing in groups. So I, I picked a rather specific example, like fighting what is hip it? breaks. Just like if you go, if you go to the theater, you won't break your hip. Uh, participate, oh, no, perform. You have to perform. Okay, okay, okay. And that'll fight hip breaks and depression. Yep. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's a really simplified way to explain it, but that's a splination. So. That's one of my many skills, like you mentioned. I have yes, yes. I have a knack for taking extremely complex yeah. ideas and making them... And whittling them down. Palatable. Yes, mm. just palate them right up. It simplify. was like an amuse-bouche for your ears. Yeah. Ah, oh, beautiful amuse-bouche. Is, um, I don't know if the listeners gleaned this but like rebecca is a broadway aficionado certainly so it's one of the many things about her that we love and um and benefit from so if you have i think i'm more of an enthusiast than an aficionado i don't want people well send me your broadway questions but don't expect me to definitely know the answer here's the thing uh, here's why I put you at aficionado, because mm. I'm enthusiastic about Broadway, but I don't know very much about it. I think when you get to the level of you, like, knowing the history of things and, like, who performed what roles and what years and, like, how long something lasted. And I think that makes you an aficionado. Maybe not like a sommelier. Mm, right. Right. Yeah. 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 I just I just love it. I think it's so fun. It's so Even. Good. Even like a a bad night at like a live performance is oh, still it's, it's still fun. Yeah, yeah, it's still a good one. So it's that's good. my hot top. That's so good. Well, um, that was me- mega party time, and it's time to wrap things up with our little outro, which we haven't done this for a while. And I thought by you know we started by talking about birthdays and like aging, and we're going to end by talking about death. Mm-hmm. So we haven't done a death deck draw. We have this deck of cards called the death deck that has like right. questions, questions that help us like uh, think about and talk to our loved ones about scary death related things. So our, I, I drew a card and the question is, timing wise, what would be the best way to die? A, instantly without warning or pain. Mm-hmm. B, within three months of a diagnosis, uncomfortable but able to do a few last things. Or C, after a year of terminal illness, in pain, but time for my family and me to prepare. And you only have to answer this for yourself, obviously. We're not asking you to say what you think the best way is for everyone else. What's the best way? What would you prefer? Oh, man. It's a tricky question because Mm. if I'm thinking just, like, truly myself selfishly, it's, like, instantly with no pain, just, like, out of nowhere. Okay, cool. But that Mm. assumes whatever it is that took me out didn't apply any sort of pain i'm like what what the hell is that but Mm. i think that's um that's a rude rude way to go for the people that i love and and adore so i think the actual one i would choose is probably the year of terminal illness only Uh because i don't think three months is enough time i'm gonna Uh need 12 i'm gonna need 12 i think three months isn't enough time but that's actually why i want that that's my that's for sure my answer the three months one Mm. because um, I am not very patient. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I think that year would like drag on and it would get uh, really, I, I'm like, I want enough yeah. time to like get a few of my affairs in order, but not so much time that I could be a perfectionist about it. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I agree with you. I guess it depends on, well, it depends on how much pain, like I can, because you said it was uncomfortable or in pain and I'm like, I could handle some pain. It depends on how much pain. Well, we'll just get you morphine. Well, yeah. And like, who says I have to do a whole year? I could go six months and then just cyanide my way on out of it. Oh. Like, what if I felt like, I was like, oh, I plan, I did like a 12 month project plan and I just did everything. So now we're done. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. I think the year also, for me, it would imply, like, even if you knew it was, like, 100% terminal, if you have, like, a year-long diagnosis, you know it's, like, it's, like, give or take a year, probably. So you'd spend that whole year being, like, it could be tomorrow or it could be three years from now. Like, a three-month diagnosis is is more of a, like, you've got, like, one to six months, right? Like, we know Mm -hmm. for sure it's not going past that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just, like... I don't think there'd be enough time to see everybody. I mean, obviously, you're not you going wouldn't. to. You, you wouldn't. You just I don't know if I would even tell everybody. Yeah. Maybe Maybe only, like, it, I think there would be a focus to it. I think there would be a, like, uh, your vision would, like, zoom in, right? Yeah. Get, uh, probably a little like the pandemic did, where it just, like, yeah. overnight, immediately. What really immediately. matters, let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. That was a good question. It's a good one. I like that deck a lot. It's challenging and sometimes a little painful to think about those questions, but um, but also good. I like that they're meant to be discussed because I learned something about you. I actually shared this question with my sisters as well and like got some of their answers, and it's, it helps us like know some things about each other and our end-of-life um, wishes. Yeah. Yeah. And you well, still – uh-huh. Wait, just making sure because this is going to be memorialized in our recording so you won't forget it. Oh, you still know yeah. that I want a funeral pyre, right? I know that you want a pyre. And I also know that you believe that once you're dead, you're dead and that um, your loved ones can do whatever they want after that. So I know, but isn't it so funny that you're going to build like a funeral pyre, Viking I tall? I really don't know if it's funny, Rebecca. I, and then you're going like, to do the eulogy that I wrote for you. To, to, to I will say definitely do the eulogy you wrote, but the funeral pyre, like, it's like you don't know how how impatient I am, and I don't like tedious things. That's what I'll spend my year doing. I'll collect the wood. Okay, you, <laughs> you build the funeral pyre, and I'll execute it for you for sure. Or, like, you give me the name of someone I can call and hire to do it. Mm-hmm. But if I have to build it with mine own hands, I'm not sure. I'm just, I don't want to promise that to you. Well, you know what one I liked the best was the one mm. we saw when we were in India next to the Ganga. That's where I really yeah. wanted to be. But a funeral pyre. Um, or we could like float the, the body out on the river and shoot it with a flaming arrow. Oh, that's what I want. That's yeah. a good one, too. That's, but it pollutes that's the, the water. Like, nobody wants dead bodies in the water is part of the problem. I bet. I bet the sharks would like it. On fire? A flaming a flaming dead body? <laughs> You're right. I'm not <laughs> you know think what we about could it. Do? You know what we could maybe do is is toss you off the cliffs at um, Kealakekua Bay. <gasps> where the, like, yes. sometimes, like, sometimes, like, a cow or a sheep falls off the cliffs okay. and the wildlife comes to eat it in the water. That is, yes, that's perfect. Okay. If I die on this island, that's what I want. Okay. Throw me off a cliff, 
And people, that's a real story that Rachel just said. Sometimes there's no like fencing and these cows will just get too close to the edge and fall like a Flat. thousand feet off a and cliff then they get into eaten the by, water. Like, rays and sharks and fish and shit. It's cool. Oh, it's magic. Yeah. Oh. I'm just like picturing myself up there with your body, like <laughs> like looking around, trying to make yeah. sure nobody sees me and like nonchalantly trying to like nudge your body just like yeah, off you just the cliff. Kick it a little bit. Yeah. Push g- gentle, gentle taps, little toe taps. Right like, over. Like, trying not to cry. Just like, there she goes. Beautiful. <laughs> All of her loved ones are down there in kayaks and canoes, just like waiting. To, like, <gasps> yeah, they're doing with, the like, like, surf like sparklers. They've got like, yep. s- yeah. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> All right. It's, it's settled. Well, people, let us know if you have a suggestion <laughs> for our funeral plans or for 40 before 40 or a hot top or mm-hmm. if you have a response to anything. You can call and text us if you know us, OBS. You can email schmodcastthepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in Finland, tell us who you are. If you're in yeah. Germany, tell us who you are. If you're in Nepal, like basically any any of those places or anywhere else, schmodcastthepodcast yeah. at gmail.com or on Instagram. Beep, 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 bop, boop, bop, boop, 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 This has been a Rebetchel production. Proud sponsors of Rebetchel B-Day Extravaganza. Doing.